0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. Today's episode is brought to us by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's exactly what you would write in the sand if you were stuck on an island, right? H-E-L-P, help. And then you see the helicopter go by, you start waving. BetterHelp is that helicopter. They are the ones that will save you. They will pick you up. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, it's been a sense of feeling inadequate or uh, afraid of expressing my needs. Because like, If I express my needs and they say no and they find out what I really want, they're going to leave and I'll be abandoned and I have to start all over again. And, and also just comparing myself to other people. Every time I compare, I get on social media and I see the, the amazing life that other people are living, it just makes me want to just curl up and stop doing everything that I'm doing. But BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, I understand when you are in uh, despair and, and you are spiraling, you just feel like the last thing I want to do was talk to anybody, but it's the best thing to do. When when I was in trouble, when I couldn't see my way through the, the the thickness, through the darkness, it was talking to someone, especially a professional therapist that guided me through. I still have a therapist. I have not only my own therapist, but I have a couples therapist. So me and my girlfriend have a therapist. like therapy. Talking to someone is so beneficial, but it doesn't. Feel like it when you're in the midst of it. Now, I want you to remember that is not a crisis line. BetterHelp is not self help, it is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp is not the right solution for you if you have thoughts of hurting yourself or others. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with, as with traditional therapy. You could kick back at the crib at your house in Sukasa and get your therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And here's the kicker, ladies and gents. Financial aid is available. That's right. But you, ain't, you don't have to go to college. College ain't the only one doling out financial aid. BetterHelp has financial aid because BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily, right? Check them out. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's right. I got a slash before the name. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo. That's Better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer. Here's a special offer. Check this out. This just just, just came in just now Special offer for my Before You Kill Yourself listeners Get 10% off your first month At betterhelp.com Forward slash Leo That's right Just for tuning in Just for being a a friend uh, An ally uh, Just somebody who I could just Who I enjoy spending my time with 10% off your first month If you go to betterhelp.com Forward slash Leo Let's go Today's guest is the founder of the Canary Yellow Project, uh, Joshua LeBrotton. He uses music to navigate his darkness, and this is such a great episode. I love it. We talk about how he uses music, obviously, to navigate his pain and to heal his history. Um, we talk about what plagued him as a kid and how did he deal with OCD? I, I've never heard of someone phrasing OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, in the way that he did. And I also have never heard of someone using the technique uh, that he uses to treat it. And we get into self-loathing, but then we also get into how to follow the right rabbits. I know you guys are like, what do you mean following the right rabbits? You got to listen to find out. How to follow the right rabbits and what gave him an overwhelming sense of hope for the future. Uh, this is such a great episode and so inspiring. Uh, my boy Joshua is 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 in the hottest of hot places, Louisiana. So, and enjoy the episode, enjoy the accent. I hope that you're healthy. I hope the people around you are healthy, and if if you're struggling to find something to be grateful for it doesn't have to be for you remember that you can be grateful for someone else's uh, success or joy or peace or for the universe and uh, or the sun coming up this morning all these little things uh that that can ground us in the present moment and you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly if you struggle with pain despair uh and when i say pain i'm not just talking about the mental pain the the chronic pain, uh, you know, I have six bulging discs in my neck that are bothering me all the time, um, and I, I do everything in my power to avoid the, the opioids and, and the painkillers, and, uh, and I incorporate these other self-soothing techniques and, and coping strategies to deal with the pain and, and to help me uh, sleep at night. So I want to share all those things with you, uh, all those strategies, all those skills and techniques with you one on one and so go to thrivewithleo.com for more information let's get to tomorrow together and with that said let's jump into the episode joshua what got you out of bed this morning well um you know i uh, uh
1: i try to focus on on the the positives in life that i can and uh i'm very kind of method oriented and uh goal oriented you know so um, you know, I try to have a, a list of what keeps me going and what I have to do that day. And you know, I have a wife and a, a young daughter, and so they kind of you know keep me motivated to to make those decisions. And um, so it's it's really just goals and methods for for
0: whatever the day might be. I, I love that, and I definitely want to get into the details in terms of your goals and and what keeps you going every day. Uh, but what's your overall mission? I I know that, you know, you're big in music. Can you talk to us about how music has helped you, uh, deal with some of your, your mental health struggles? Sure. Um, you know, so, um, uh, I am a musician today. Uh, I consider
1: myself a a songwriter and, uh, I, I play music for, for a living in terms of, uh, you know, my month to month, you know, duties and, um, you know, music early on for me was kind of a, um, uh, it was kind of a place of solitude you know I, I grew up in a, a broken home and uh, you know uh, dealing with um, uh, both uh, both emotional and a little bit of physical abuse from you know authority figures and um, music was kind of always a thing that I was able to escape to and have this kind of solace and uh, uh, when I was feeling you know those those despair kind of conjurings I was able to you know use music as a, as a comfort as an escape and uh uh, I owe a lot to that to that craft and and to those music artists that were you know early in my life that helped me.
0: Yeah, what what type of music is it? Are are you one of those uh country guitar folklore? I'm taking guitar right now, so everything to me is about guitar.
1: Gotcha. Um, so I am a guitar player, and uh, you know that's that's my longest standing instrument. I play a couple of other instruments, but you know guitar is the one that um, uh, that I really identify with. So I've been a guitar player. Um really, since I was about thirteen years old and i'm thirty two today, you know, so it's it's been quite a while. Um I'm also a guitar teacher today, you know, so I, I pass it on to others and and uh, you know the the music that i that I participate in today in terms of my my songwriting project that we'll discuss and is um really more of um um you know, kind of like in the vein of you know, maybe the the cold plays or the radio heads and those types of of bands and you know i, I like songwriters like um regina specter and fiona apple and um you know that's kind of i guess the genre that i tend to live in in terms of creatively um but uh you know i've been all over the map in in terms of listening since i was young and you know it went from maybe more angsty kind of rock music to you know hip-hop and you you know, different things along the way, but uh, I would say definitely mostly the alternative kind of uh, zones for, for music.
0: You know, I like I said, I just started playing guitar recently, and when I was in high school, I was studying uh, saxophone, and okay. but it was the baritone saxophone, it was this massive thing, it was almost as tall as I was. And you right. know, when you're living in Chicago, the last thing you want to do is carry home a baritone saxophone on a plane and then train or not plane and train, but a bus and train you get made fun of or stolen or things like that. So I didn't practice it much. And, uh, but what I love about playing an instrument is that it allows you to get into this zone, this state of flow where for people, listeners who are struggling with anxiety, um, it's really a healthy way to, alleviate some of that uh that that tension that angst it gives you a a place to channel your energy um and and it just kind of brings clarity. do you find that when you do you, you know you've been playing for so long do you still get into that state of flow where you kind of just lose yourself in the music
1: yeah yeah absolutely my my first instrument um uh, was trombone so it's it's funny we have a similar kind of you know lineage in that way and uh that when i was really really young so from you know age nine into you know right in the beginning of middle school and uh that was my first instrument and it wasn't until i got into guitar that it really started to speak to me and um you know because music was uh, such that escape for me when i was young uh, i had such that reverence for it such a respect for it and um it it helped me in so many ways that i started to you know look inward and and learn how to be self-aware because of that and you know, these music artists were diving into, you know, insightful things that I was relating to and, you know, needing at that time. And so today uh, as a, as an adult, um, you know, it's come full circle. I still feel very strongly about music. Um, uh, as I mentioned, I do play it for a living in, in different capacities, you know, but my, in terms of my, my songwriting and my creative side, um, there's really nothing like it. You know, the music is, um, Really, the thing that kept me away from substance abuse and all of the the not so great things that can come along with depression and you know anxiety and uh, even the obsessive compulsiveness that I still struggle with today. and uh, so I definitely still feel that about music. and um you know, I, I feel like, you know, because it made me and helped me feel so much less alone when I was young, uh, really the the best thing I can do to give back to it and to give back to people is to try to. Cultivate that for others, you know, because even if it's just one person, um, you know, if it wasn't for music, uh, I don't know that I would still be here today. Um, so, because of that, to answer your question, absolutely, uh, I still get very lost in it, and uh, and it's it's a it's a wonderful set of moments, you know, and uh, I appreciate it very much. You,
0: you know, uh, country music, rap music, no matter what the genre of music, it there's a storytelling that's involved and there's a reason why uh, some songs uh, stand the test of time because it, 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 like you said, it makes you feel less alone in the world. Uh, were you an only child growing up? Is that why you felt alone or what was, uh, why Why did you feel so alone as a kid?
1: Um, no, so I was the, I'm the oldest of four siblings and, uh, you know, the 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 things that really kept me um, you know, feeling those, those despair moments and, uh, those, those kind of lonely moments was because, you know, I I grew up in a broken home and, uh, I, um, my, so I, I have actually never met my biological father. And, um, I didn't really know that until later in life, um, in my teenage years, but, uh, you know, I, um, I dealt with a lot of, uh, step parents, my, um, my, my mother married my, who became my adopted father when I was, when I was young and, um, really probably between the age of, um, uh, three and, and six in that, in that area. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was great and everything was, was fine. Um, but once they, once they divorced, which I was closer to seven and, and eight years old, um, it's when I started moving around quite a bit. Um, so I, I, I went to a total of, uh, eight different schools growing up and, um, I, it was in two different cities and, you know, so learning how to cultivate relationships was very tough for me and learning how to keep those relationships and maintain them, uh, you know, proved to be difficult. And, uh, I also had, you know, set parents, uh, again, along the way that were, you know, um, not, not so, not so happy times. And, uh, there, there was, a, a abuse there. And, um, you know, so music was just kind of this, um, this escape mechanism. It was a way that I can say, um, you know, try to have some, one, some permanency in my life and two, um, just get away from the, the kind of ups and downs that I was experiencing day to day and inside of my, my home. And, um, you know I was getting into my adolescent years and my teenage years when it was really starting to become um, you know n- not not great and not healthy and uh, so music was just that it was it was that that escape, that drug and um, just that thing that helped keep me grounded because i I, I was struggling to do that on my own.
0: You know, what's beautiful about that is that, like you said, you found something that you could control. It's like the world around you is so out of control with moving to two different cities, uh, you know, divorce at seven. You got got other siblings uh, that you're growing up with. And it it just seems like that. And eight, you said eight different schools, eight different schools, Yeah, eight different schools. And so, you, you, you had to ask yourself and figure out what's my anchor. What's the thing that, uh, can, I can keep consistent. And, uh, and you found that in the guitar, how did the guitar come into your, was it a teacher? Was it a class? One of your parents, uh, teach you, how did that even come into play? Um,
1: you know, so I've, uh, I actually have no musicians in my family at all. I was, a, I'm a first generation musician and, um, you know, I, um, as I mentioned earlier, I got into trombone when I was very young, and uh, it wasn't until a friend um, had a guitar uh, at you know sort of like a like a sleepover type of situation with a, a couple of friends, and you know it was just something he was into at the time. So you know he brought it, and uh, you know he was um, he was playing it, and I was just, I just was fascinated by that. I just really like He was a beginner and still learning himself, but you know he enjoyed it. It wasn't something maybe that he was like extremely extremely passionate about but he you know definitely enjoyed it and and brought it around and i was either starting to listen to music at that time to pay really more attention to music and and sort of choose my own you know genres and artists um as opposed to just you know listening to something that's on the radio or finding artists that my you know my parents may have had some you know old cds or, or records for and uh you know i um i i just found this this instrument to be very interesting and uh so he was like well you know i can show you a couple of a couple of things and i was like sure and uh, so he showed me you know very small um you know little tidbits of songs and a couple of techniques along the way and um i just uh i think i believe my 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 mom kind of caught wind of that she realized that i was interested in that so she maybe mentioned it to her parents and they happened to have an old guitar that uh, my aunt had maybe been interested in when she was younger, um, so they, you know, got that out of their their attic or their storage space and, uh, you know, gave it over to us. And you know, that was the kind of the rest is really kind of history. You know, I just uh, really latched on to that and 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 you know, never stopped. It was uh, it was just such a um, it was such an inspiring instrument for me. I don't know what it was that stuck out or why. Um, but it did. And, uh, because of that, I, I just, I never let that go. And, and to this day, uh, again, I just, it is my, you know, the main instrument I identify most with, uh, it, it, it kind of speaks what my, my intentions are for music the most clearly. And, uh, and, and I love it.
0: Yeah. I would imagine having four siblings, uh, moving around a lot that would either bring you all really close together, or uh separate you a lot and 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 being the oldest uh, y- you would either be really protective or feel like uh no one understands you because you are the oldest what was the relationship with your other siblings growing up
1: um so i am the oldest and uh I, the distance between my siblings and i are are are, are pretty vast um my my youngest sister uh, she just turned 18. Um, so I am 32. So you can see that's, that's quite a bit of, of distance. My, my brother just above her. So the one that's, um, you know, getting closer to my age, he is just about a year or so older than she is, you know, so he's 19. Uh, I believe he actually even just turned 20, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, um, my sister above that, who is the closest to me in age, she is, uh, she is 28. So she is, she's four years below me. And uh, all of my siblings are half siblings. I am, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've never met my biological father. And my adopted father was my nearest sister's biological father. One of my stepfathers are the remaining two's biological uh, father. Um, you know, so there's, sort of the, there's some distance there in terms of age. My, my sister, the one that was closest in age to me, she's, you know, of course been with me a lot longer in terms of life. And, uh, you know, we were, we were in the same early households together before the other two arrived. And, you know, uh, in, in kind of that first home with my adopted father and my mother, and we were very close, you know, and, um, we, when my mother met my, my, who would be my stepfather, that's when we moved cities. And, uh, that was when I was about 10. And so she was, uh, six and, um, you know, we were close. We kind of, we just had each other for a while as we're, you know, in this new city, we're trying to learn, you know, what our friends will be and who our friends will be. And, you know, and, um, and we had each other. So that was good. But as as the years went on into my teenage years, and when things started to get tough with my, um, m- you know my my authority figures, and uh, the teenage years are, are are kind of, of course, causing me to want to uh, search for my independence and seek that out in a way that I'm I'm trying to assert myself a little bit more, and of course, being a male, that's uh, it looks you know different sometimes, and. Um, you know uh, overall i was a good kid i was uh, i wasn't into anything that would you know make some somebody scared i think uh i think it was just the there was a power struggle between my 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 parents and i and um it was a uh, it was a difficult time so my my sister who uh, who i was still very close with uh you know we were there for each other during that but during high school when i was i was in my junior year of high school so i'm 16 i actually um went down with my sister to visit her biological father, which is my adopted father. So I do call him dad. Um, and we're there for Christmas time. So this is a Christmas vacation where we're thinking we're there for a break, you know, and um, just to visit my dad. And um, I I find out during this trip that I won't be coming back home. So I'm essentially uh, kicked out of my, my house in that other city. And I'll be from then on living with my uh, adopted father. Uh, my sister will be going back where she she was. She'll be going back to the the other city with my with my mother and my my stepfather. But I'll be staying. And um, I didn't really find that out until uh, the day of the exchange. And uh, you know, you can imagine being 16 years old. That's that's very very difficult. And uh, you know, I had friends. I was involved in music. I had you know, I was in a band and. I had a girlfriend and all of the things that give you ties to a city and uh, circumstances. And, um, I'm finding out, you know, kind of in the middle of, of, of nothing that I won't be going back to these things. Um, uh, my cell phone is going to be taken taken away. So the only access I have to these people are going to be through the internet and, you know, being 16, this was 16 years ago. uh, The internet wasn't quite what it was today. So we had things like instant messenger and, stuff like that but it was still the social media aspect was still very new and uh, because of that that shift and going to having to change high schools in the middle of the year in a different city and change households and lose that connection with my my sister and ultimately um, lose a lot of trust with my my you know parental figures and it it, it stirred up a lot and um so you know, my siblings, although I love them very much, our, our relationships are, you know, not as tight knit as maybe they could have been because of that, that change. And, um, I was kind of thrown into this protective mode. I had to, you know, I had a lot of suicidal thoughts at the time and music was more of that kind of solace for me. And, um, you know, so it was very, very difficult and very, um, hard to navigate. Um, you know, as you can imagine. So uh, I have the language for it these days as a 32 year old, but as a 16 year old, there was lots and lots of, you know, emotions and, and hormones and circumstances that it, it just wasn't easy, very difficult.
0: You're, you're in a protective mode. You've lost your trust uh, with your parents, with with adults around you. The You're separated from your sister and, and now you're forced to start over. Now you have any suicidal thoughts and you said, one of the things that anchored you was, you know, playing the guitar, having the music. Were there other anchors? Were there other things that you, you held on to that, that kept you going outside the music? Um, you know, I had, um, I also had relationships, um,
1: especially with, with people that were back home in the, the other city that I was being pulled from. And
0: What city was that?
1: Uh, So I'm I'm from
0: Louisiana, and
1: uh, so it was uh, it was North Louisiana. This uh, it's it's a a smaller city um, right outside of the city of Monroe, Louisiana, and that was the the place where I spent most of my adolescence. And and it was uh, in South Louisiana that I ended up. I was actually born in South Louisiana, and uh, so it was kind of this uh, leaving and then coming back. And uh, you know I. I had relationships in the the North Louisiana city, and uh, that I did, I was able to still hang on to during um, during this time. You know, of course, I'm uh, you know I'm a smart kid, I'm a I'm a tech savvy kid, and I'm the internet is there, so I'm finding ways to cultivate these relationships still. And my my adopted father was, uh, you know, I guess considered enough to decide to go ahead and get me a cell phone and allow me to reestablish those connections. Although my adopted father you know he he has difficulties processing um you know complex emotions i think in in that arena but he he could see i was hurting and uh he knew that it wasn't easy so he he tried to do what he could He and he did get me a cell phone so i was able to reconnect and so you know hanging on to those relationships um somewhat was also something that kept me grounded because i felt like Maybe there would be, you know, some sort of way back to them. You know, maybe there was a, there would be a way that I, I could, um, you know, maintain that. It was it was what I knew and uh, it was what I needed. So I, I thought, you know, I should I should keep in touch with these people. And making friends in the middle of high school in a new city is, is not an easy task. And uh, you know, at this point, I'm I'm dealing with a lot of anxieties, and it's like I'm not really interested in in finding friends. You know, I'm just I'm retreating further and further into myself and. You know, using music as that solitude as well. And, um, I just, um, you know, I, the only thing I could do is keep my, my friends that I had and, you know, they would, they would visit me from time to time. Sometimes they would make the trip, you know, we were all still young, but sometimes maybe their parents would help them get there. Or maybe we had one friend that was old enough to, to drive or had a vehicle that he would, you know, take a handful of people down and might stay for a day or two, maybe for a weekend. And, you know, so it was relationships as well that that helped me, and I did establish new ones in the in the 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 southern you know city as well. It just took some time, um, so those things all helped.
0: You know, part, part of the trauma uh, stems from obviously moving around so much, and then you know trusting in in, in parental figures, and then having that trust uh, broken numerous times. Uh, was there physical abuse? yeah so there was, and I, I have difficulties talking about that you we know, don't have and, to talk about it uh, right. uh, you know whatever you're you're comfortable with, but I, I guess um I, I was asking to, uh because I would imagine if there was physical abuse and you moved around a lot uh that uh it would cause trouble sleeping well there I, I that's what I was really trying to get at mm-hmm. uh, without getting too much into it do, do you do you have trouble sleeping or did you have trouble sleeping at any point? I, uh, sleeping has always been my, my schedule has always
1: been a little topsy turvy. I know in my younger years, I would, I would kind of, um, you know, stay up later. And, and I think many, many people do that, especially in their teenage years, stay up later, wake up a little bit later, especially when, you know, school wasn't in session. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that I ultimately had trouble getting to sleep or staying to sleep. That was unfortunate or fortunately, not something that, that tended to plague me. I think the, the the thing that plagued me most was my ability to turn my brain off. And that crept in more and more as I became an adult. So when I was a young, a young teenager in early adult, it was there, but it wasn't quite as strong. Um as an adult, I think as my obsessive compulsiveness started to become more of a thing and it started to materialize and you know, anxiety kind of shifted in that direction I think I noticed my my need to kind of really really I had to really focus method into turning my mind off in order to shut down for the evening or to shut down to get to sleep and ultimately what I would do is I would I would you know wait until the house was quiet whether it was my in my young life or during having roommates in you know the college years or or my when my wife and I got married and, of course, we're sharing a home together, it's like I would wait for the house to become quiet. Maybe those people had, had gone to sleep and I would use that time to really funnel my, my energies down a little bit so I can, I can kind of turn off from that, let some of those things go, um, kind of prep for the next day. That way I can shut as many of those things as possible down in order to get to sleep.
0: Yeah, it's turning the brain off is such a challenge. I mean, we we're inundated with ways to turn our brains on, whether it's caffeine or some type of other uh, stimulant or you know loud music. But really, slowing our brains down and shutting it off so we can sleep at night is is a is a massive challenge. And uh, you know, there's research that shows that you know when we are struggling with depression. It can prevent us from getting into a deep REM sleep. And that's where our our prefrontal cortex can relax and go to sleep and kind of recharge. So if we're not getting that that deep REM sleep, then uh it it basically is, is inhibiting us from making complex uh decisions. Um, the I I've used uh Yoga Nidra to help me sleep, kind of a grounding mm-hmm. uh meditation a kind of um have you heard of it i'm i'm I'm
1: mildly familiar with that but i've never participated
0: what i like about yoga nidra uh as opposed to the other forms of meditation is uh some guided meditations can trigger other thoughts uh like i used to listen to self affirmations like i am wonderful i am great whatever uh, and i would find that those some some of the words even though they were quote unquote positive would trigger some negative uh visuals or emotions and with no, yoga nidra where it's just um a tuning into your senses uh tapping into your body you know feel your feet on the mat bring attention to the back of your neck uh bring your your awareness to your ears things like that uh, is I found to be uh, more soothing. Do you have a meditative practice or anything close to that?
1: Oh yeah, that it's really interesting that you you mentioned those things because actually one of the thing one of my methods for dealing with uh, obsessive compulsiveness is uh, is an idea of uh, called postponement and um, uh, I, I got the language for that uh, in the last few months but I've been practicing this idea for quite a while and uh, really what it has to do is. Um, attuning yourself with the with the present. So as you mentioned, you know, those types of qualities of focusing on your feet, uh being on the ground, or the the sensations on the back of your, your neck, or those things that they both get you outside of your head, but fully get yourself into your head as well. Not in a way that you start to uh kind of spiral, but in a way that lets you know that you know, everything is, is active around you in the present. And one of the ideas of postponement is taking these things that cause you to spiral downward. And it's also, it's, it's typically things that um, cause, uh, you know, impatience, make you feel like something has to be solved or happen right then and there. That's a, an obsessive compulsive trait for sure. And there's a, there's a doubting aspect to that as well. And um, so, so what I tend to do is I, I take my ideas and you know, with the exception of something being really, um, pressing, like, you know, there's a, there's a house fire or, uh, you know, you're about to be run over by a vehicle or, you know, something where you have to, you know, act in that moment. There, there are many thoughts that you don't need to, um, have a solution for right then. And I imagine that, you know, that type of technique that you mentioned is just a way of freeing yourself of that pressure and, you know, almost, almost, um, Kind of being aware of your your body's uh, functions and and what they're all doing, in a way that gets you away just from the cognitive aspect of the, you know the the human conditioned. And I think once you do that, you're you're better prepped to handle those things. And I know for me, um, kind of engaging in those methods helped me have a clearer head on those things later. So it allows me to reestablish my goals for the moment. It allows me to deal with whatever those things that were plaguing me were in a more healthy way in the future and then ultimately i i spiral downward um, much less because of that and um so I, I see the benefit in that you know quite a bit and i i agree that you know focusing inward you know it's not really just about self-affirmation because you know for me i struggle with a also a heavy dose of self-loathing you know in many ways uh you know, I hate myself, and I, I don't want to feel that way, and I don't mean that really deep down inside. But, but I have those layers of just, just not really loving myself, and I find that if you get too into the self-affirmation, um, ideal ideas, you can almost look at it as a lie that you're trying to believe as opposed to working on the things that will help you to love yourself, you know? So it's like peeling away of those layers and really filling out the the root of those those causes and the, the history behind that and your personal dispositions toward that, I feel like is is oftentimes better than listening to someone tell you or try to convince you how wonderful you are. Really, if you try to learn that, you know by looking inward and fo- focusing on the present i f- i've found that that has helped me have a clearer head and and those things help my brain to shut down and uh, appreciate my both my ups my downs my positives my negatives it helps me to um, not look so so down on others it helps me to see the the good in people because the only way you can do that is if you see the good in yourself and the only way you can see the good in yourself is if you know that everybody has something of value to offer. And so I try to keep all of those things on my mind, you know, as I as I you know, create methods for those issues.
0: What well, you know, I've never heard OCD put like that. It's uh when you phrase it in terms of oh like something has to be that feeling that something has to be solved right now it's like this overwhelming sense of urgency uh or even emergency right. uh, and and that it's so true I, I i never heard it when i think of ocd i just think of uh you know uh, r- racing thoughts or uh, repetitive behavior but i i didn't think about it in terms of uh yeah that feeling that you know, this is this has to be solved right now or else Uh, it's going to be a catastrophe and, you know, it's going to be the end of the world. Exactly. Uh, It's almost like uh, the way we imagine, uh, uh, you know, preteens and teenagers to view the world. Right. Where it's it's like, oh, it's like all or nothing and it has to be done now.
1: Yeah, very, very true. And I, I think we're... You know, um, things like social media and and what we see online perpetuates that in many ways, especially the the celebrity culture that we tend to attach ourselves to um, worldwide. But um, you know, uh, definitely in the U.S. and um, uh, I think the 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 idea of finding your personal self worth and identifying with that in order to also lift others up is really lost on the idea of really I. You know, the idea of idolatry almost—it's like we we look outward and try to uh, compare ourselves to to others in order to lift ourselves up. But in reality, it should be the opposite. You know, we should lift ourselves uh, ourselves up so we can also benefit others, as opposed to putting people on particular pedestals or, you know, due to you know follower counts or you know dispositions and. Uh, you know, the scrolling mentality of social media and and all of the things that come along with with comparison.
0: You talked about uh, how you use uh, postponement amongst other techniques to kind of bring you to the present moment. Do you have other techniques and strategies that you use? You know, uh, other than
1: um, still with Still with music, if I if I really am having a, a, a struggle with centering myself, and I feel like it's out of my control, um, music is kind of something that has always been um, almost like an instantaneous uh, kind of relief. And um, what I mean by that is uh, I've always been into very emotive music and and kind of music that's both related in sonic complexity, but or, or kind of living in sonic complexity, but also related to um you know, deep insightfulness and uh, there are particular moments in in some songs that have always you know stuck with me and if I if I have moments of feeling like I'm losing total control and, I, and my methods are not helping me ground myself, there are some moments in songs that will will stir up that hope for me and um almost give me this kind of feeling of euphoria it's it's I'm sure akin to, you know, uh, substance abuse in many ways, but it's in a way that is of course not going to lead, lead down to, you know, physical, um, you know, health problems and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, so I, I both use it in that way when I, when I really need it. And of course I participated in it, uh, in it today as a, as a songwriter. And part of my goals with, with songwriting is to try to be, uh, that for, people especially if they don't have methods yet because before i had those methods it's like you know i can get lost in in a song in a particular set of moments and and it would change my my state of mind or at least give me this uh, this this thing to hold on to, to to make me look further into the future of of what could be you know and so as a songwriter especially with my my new music project i i tried to cultivate that you know and i tried to uh, I try to be as vulnerable as possible. and and I, I really started to question my, my motivations both for life and for for art uh, in the last um year or so because um, my daughter is actually just about to to make one year old, and my wife and I have been married for for eight years. Uh, the, just a, a, a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated that. and you know, my daughter coming into the world really gave me this this new kind of um, uh, motivation set for life. And it really, really f- made me want to focus on all of the things I've ever believed and all of the things that I've ever been kind of for, you know, what are my, why are my interests there? And what can I give back to that? And, and you know, there were times in, in my music career that I, I didn't feel like I was uh, following the the right rabbits, you know, I would, um I was involved in things that were bringing what people might think of as a lot of success you know and i was playing for artists that were getting me in circles of people that would might look like to success to many others but i was in such a state of of unhappiness during that you know that i it kind of came to a head when my daughter was born and i realized my my motivations for art and my motivations for life and um, all of the things that i needed as a young person and still still need today and i thought to myself you know, why, why am I not figuring exactly the way that I can give back to that, you know? So it's like part of my methods for dealing with myself are also through my art, both the absorption, absorption of the world around me, absorption of other people's art, my, the new life that I see in my daughter and the the life that I know that if I only have maybe 80 years on the planet and I've had 32 of them, I don't want to waste any of them, you know? And, um, I want to set the next generations up for success, especially in terms of mental health and my my daughter is the, the the person I can influence the most. And if I take those motivations and pour that into my art, I'm hoping that I can also help other people get to those places as well. And all of those are methods for me to deal with my own you know mental health day to day.
0: You know, I love that you said, uh, you know maybe I'm not how you mentioned that you weren't following the right rabbits. Uh, at some point I've never heard it put like that. And, uh, that's just, uh, a a beautiful phrasing. The, you know, one, one of the questions that comes to mind is you you had such a loss of trust in, uh, the people around you. Uh, I'm sure the institutions around you, uh, but at the age of about 24, uh, you get married. How did you navigate those feelings of, of mistrust, uh, enough so that you can trust in a, uh, in a person for the rest of your life? Yeah, man, that's a, that's,
1: that's a really, really good question, an important question. And, um, you know, when I was younger and I was, I was seeing these, you know, as you mentioned, these institutions kind of rocked and really the statistics of, of, you know, of of the negative aspects of life play out and, and really being a part of that, you know, I was learning what I didn't want for myself. I was learning what I didn't want for others, what I ultimately don't want to exemplify for anybody else. And, you know, when I met my wife before she was my wife, I, um, we met when I was, when I was actually at, I was 16 and she was, Uh, maybe 13 approaching 14 i think i was approaching 17 so we weren't it wasn't like a a romantic thing yeah we were i was actually playing music at the time she was interested in uh, a band that i was in and you know we met during that that time and uh we you know parted ways it was just kind of a fleeting sort of you know it was like almost like a fandom thing she was like a fan and it was a small friendship and we we met again later in life and um she was we were both in college uh uh, I believe I was twenty two and and she was twenty, you know she was maybe nineteen, and uh, I was in a really toxic relationship at the time. and um i was I was playing a I was playing a show for this this band that I was in, and um my my now wife just happened to come. she caught wind of it, knew that she liked my music early earlier on in life when I was in different bands and was like, oh, let me go, let me go support him. let me go maybe see. You know, if he remembers me and just kind of hang out that type of thing, and and so she did. She went with a friend and uh, you know introduced herself to me again. And of course, I, I recognized her and uh, we kind of re, rekindled just a small, you know, kind of a acquaintance, uh, kind of friendship. And uh, I'm in this toxic relationship at the time, and I, I just really enjoyed the person that she was. She was a different type of person than myself, and certainly different than the relationship that I was in at the time. And I just, I just got this overwhelming sense of hope for the, the future, and, and thought to myself, you know, I, I come from such a, a poor background, you know, um, and I don't want to repeat those, those traits. I don't want to, I want to break the cycle. Now, I don't know that I have the language for this at the time, but I, I know now, today, that I wanted to break that cycle, and, and I want to break it still today, of course. And, uh, so I'm saying that, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know. One of the ways to break this cycle is to not stay in this toxic relationship that I'm in, because if I do, there's a there's a big chance that I won't I won't come out of it, and I'm just going to go down the same path that I saw my my parents go down. Um, it could result in anything because you never know what those types of decisions can result in. And uh, having never never met my biological father, having this broken home, you know, multifaceted broken home. I I just didn't want those things for myself from, for others. And so I, I I broke off that relationship and, uh, just a a couple of months later, I decided to pursue, um, you know, this, this kind of new acquaintance or this person that has come back into my life just as a, you know, just as a dating thing. I, you know, asked her on date and, and we, we dated and, and we ultimately were, were married a couple of years later. And, uh, she also comes from a broken home, uh, less broken um, in some aspects but but she has also seen divorce and you know uh, because of that we have a both an unhealthy and a healthy mindset on that you know unhealthy in that you know it's part of your history and, and it affects you healthy in that we know that we want different and we want better and the only way to get better you know wanting it is not enough you have to cultivate that and you have to create that you have to want it enough that you're going to stay motivated to do that, and um, I think we both knew that, and uh, we both wanted those things, and and so we cultivated that, you know, and we we waited to have children, we waited to learn about ourselves, and really really establish that foundation, and uh, and um, you know, that was uh, really the beginning of my healing, because all through my early twenties, I was still navigating that that grief and that trauma, and and. Always had the mentality of, you know, of anywhere but here, you know, uh, I was just trying to get away always, you know, much like I would escape with music. Um, I was just trying to to just escape everything. And uh, I was doing a lot of touring as a musician at the time. And, you know, and uh, that was kind of that was my, my mentality. So getting married, I, I was shedding that and I was I was starting to to say, no, I want permanency. You know, I want healthy healthy stability and uh i have such a such an extreme need for stability that because of the instability growing up that i want to create that healthy stability so we we started working on that you know and uh having having a daughter has just really solidified that not only that need but that motivation the want and uh it's brought up a lot of things in me really since her pregnancy you know my, my wife's pregnancy and uh you know, it's it's really it's it's. I think it's about seeing the the negatives of that and thinking to yourself, how do I how do I break the cycle? Genuinely, you know, because it's you know I've got to do something. How do I do it? And uh, you know, it's uh, it's just figuring that out and uh, and and having a family for me has has helped me start to. Start to do that. And because of that, it has healed me in many, many ways. And uh, it just gets better every month. You know, every, every, everything that I'm able to accomplish within my family, I feel like heals a little bit of a piece of my past. And that's, that's a very happy thing for me.
0: I love that. Everything you're able to accomplish with your family uh, heals a little bit, uh, a little piece of your past. Um, you, You said that. You know, you guys have been married for about eight years. You just celebrated your eight-year anniversary, and you decided to wait to to have uh, your daughter. What's your daughter's name? Her name is Julia. Julia. You decided to wait to have Julia, and because you, you wanted to establish a foundation and get to know each other. Were there were there things that you two did intentionally to get to know each other? Like did you did you go to couples therapy? Did you were, were there homework assignments? Or was it just about hanging around each other? What were what were some of the things that you had put in place to kind of uh, figure out who each other uh, is? You know, we
1: we early when we, we were um, approaching the idea of marriage, we actually went to some um, coupling or you know some couple classes for 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 navigating the idea of of you know coupling up, and um, uh, we learned a lot about our our kind of you know, different love languages and, and what they look like and the different needs that we have specifically, um, you know, and, and how how to best communicate with each other. And of course, you know, it, it's, a, it's a work in progress, you know, every day and, and every year, you know, it, it's, it's one direction or the other. And of course, you know, when we were in our early and mid-20s, of course, it looked different back then as well. But I, I think that was a good start. And um, from there, each year we just trying to keep a. I think we just trying to keep an open mind. We trying to keep our eyes on the, uh, our goals for our marriage and our goals. Our goals are to stay together. You know, so because of that, we have to say, okay, we decided to, to to be together. So that was that was important, and that was a, an intentional decision. So the next decision is to to decide to. And be intentional about staying together and trying to cultivate that in, in a way that's you know beneficial to both parties and um, so you know there were different things through the years we would spend time together um, i'm a big language person so i was always trying to learn more about her give her help give her language to to explain to me uh, give her language that i was explaining for my you know, about myself to her and try to focus in on the qualities that made you know, each other both good and, and maybe faulty and you know how to work around that and work through that and, and then also the things that make us great and uh, how to appreciate that and, and enjoy that. and uh, I think it's just a, it's a, it's a mindset of companionship and it's a mindset of loyalty. and as long as you have that and you're interested in being intentional about that, you know, the methods will present themselves. It's just about your ability to follow through, your ability to pursue them, and your ability to uh, hang on to your intentions. And, uh, and, and that's kind of what we have been doing, really, for the last eight years. And, and I hope to see that for as long as we, you know, we have each other.
0: I love that companionship and loyalty. You know, being a, a, a music teacher and having the background that you've had throughout your life, um are there have there been instances where maybe you've identified a kid who might be struggling in a similar way that you've struggled uh as a as a kid? And do you um and how do you address that if that has been a situation? Right.
1: Um, you know, I have uh I'm I'm deeply an empath, you know, because of my past experiences and you know, just my, um, my intentions for life, you know, as you, I'm sure you hear me say throughout all this conversation, I'm just, um, I do want to help people and and I want to help them help, help themselves. That's, that's really what it's about. Um, because of that, I've been teaching music, um, for for 10 years, for about 10 years. And, um, I, I give one-on-one lessons as sort of my main, uh, you know, dabble in that instruction and, you know, I've, I've given anywhere from 15 to 30 lessons a week for really the last 10 years. And uh, so it's many, many people and many instances, and it's almost like small therapy sessions in many ways. You know, you learn a lot about people and, uh, because I'm always, I'm always have that, that third eye kind of opened. I'm always listening and, and trying to pick up on things. And if the day is just for music, that's okay. And if the day is for other things, I'm there as well. And, you know, I've I've only picked up on that a couple of times in students, um, and um, I've never felt I've never gotten an an air or or a uh, evidence of abuse uh, because certainly I would bring that to the attention of my you know superiors or uh, the city and whoever needed to be you know um, let in on that. So so no, luckily I have not seen that, but I certainly have seen the depression. I've certainly seen the um, the, the the, almost sometimes deep levels of sadness or, and sometimes it was just related to being a teenager and sometimes it was related to other things. And because I'm able to pick up on that, that, that sadness and, and I'm such, I'm so acquainted with despair, uh, that I don't want people to feel alone and I don't want them to feel looked over. And I felt that I'm so, I'm so familiar with that feeling, you know, that, you know, both in my, my songwriting project with, uh, with the Canary Yellow and being a teacher, my, my goals are to help people not feel, you know, kind of sidestepped. You know, I, I want them to feel seen. I want them to feel heard. And uh, I can't fix everything. I can't even fix, you know, some things, but I can certainly offer them whatever it is that I've got, whether it's through my art or just through my, my, my apt to focus in on their needs um, even just for a brief time, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever it might be. And, you know, I, when I identify those things in others, I just try to find a way to get to them, you know, find a way to, to break through that barrier, n- not to prove to them that I can help them, but to prove to them that they are able to be, Helped. They are able to be reached. And that's honestly a big reason why I've been doing these podcast interviews, these mental health related conversations, because I know that people sometimes don't realize that they can be reached. And I've heard so many people say, you know, you, know, you couldn't understand. So it's not about you. You don't understand. Or you aren't trying to understand, or you won't understand. It's it's that you couldn't, and I know what that feels like on such a deep level. That I I I want people to know that that you, you can. That people there are people out there that that you can identify, both identify with, and also be reached by. You know, and um, whether it's through music that I that I love for myself, whether it's through my music that I'm trying to. Present to others whether it's through being a music teacher or being a podcaster like yourself you know i think the ability to show people that they can be reached and ultimately reach them or disarm them to be reached by somebody or something you know it can it can save their life and uh it's so important and um I just know that if I didn't have the things that I needed to make me feel that way, I don't know that I would be here today. And because of that, I've got to give back, you know, and everybody has such a unique purpose and a a unique, you know, self-worth. And as long as you can find that, you can be that for so many people or maybe even just one person, but it doesn't really matter how many, because if you're accomplishing that in somebody you might prevent something terrible you know whether it's substance abuse suicide um self-harm uh you know child abuse perpetuating child abuse you know domestic violence as simple as not being empathetic towards somebody all of those things can be prevented by being reached and being disarmed to be reached to be reached and that's you know that's that. those are really all in my motivations for this and I try to look for that in people whenever I can.
0: Thank you so much, Joshua. Is there is there anything that we haven't talked about that you feel like would be of benefit to the listeners, anything about mental health or about the Canary Yellow project?
1: You know, I um I I just uh, always like to make sure people truly know to just hang on and uh, I've gotten I've gotten messages from people after doing interviews describing things that i struggle with that you know the how how seen they felt and how less alone they felt because of it and just to hear some hear that come from somebody when those are your motivations you know just remind me that it's important to keep going and just i I just want to say to anybody that you know if you feel like you have something to offer or you're not sure what that is yet you know search it out cultivate it and figure out how to offer to people and for me right now it's the canary yellow and it's my family and uh you know if you're interested in in finding my music project um you know you can find me at the canary c-a-r-r-d dot co c-o i'm on instagram at the canary yellow facebook um you can stream my music on spotify apple music any of the streaming services and um you know really just uh whether it's my music, somebody else's music, somebody else's story, Leo's podcast, other people's podcasts, just you know, don't give up hope. And, and, and most importantly, keep pursuing yourself and keep pursuing others because all we have in humanity really is each other and the things that we can do to make the world a better place. So just don't stop searching.
0: And then last question that I ask of all my guests, is always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Before you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Joshua?
1: I would hope that they could see my story and others like me who share themselves as proof that you do have something to offer, and just try not to lose sight of that. Don't let what you're feeling right now, what you're feeling today, make you feel like you don't have the power to create a better future for both yourself and others, and just um, reconsider.
0: Thank you so much, Joshua. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you calling the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALK or the other phone numbers that are listed in all the show notes uh, that connect you not only with phone numbers, but there's talk, there's text, uh, there are emails, there are international phone numbers linked in the show notes as well as uh, the information to uh, find Joshua at the Canary Card uh, online. And you can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Joshua. Thank you, I very much appreciate it. And just a quick reminder, BetterHelp is not a crisis line and wants you to start living a happier life today. So go to BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, forward slash Leo, and enjoy your 10% off today. Today, you can start your journey to being happy, to achieving your goals, to feeling heard and connected. You can start communicating now. It's worldwide, and you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional now. Go to BetterHelp.com forward slash Leo to start your journey today.